Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, December the 20th, 2020. On today's podcast, I'll be talking with my friend and colleague, fellow Herald Leader sports columnist Mark Story. We're going to talk about UK basketball after the Cats lost to North Carolina yesterday, dropping John Calipari's team to 1-5 on this season. We're going to talk about, it's going to be our continuing series of what's wrong with the UK basketball team. We're also going to talk a lot of football. Uh, UK has uh, just announced a short time ago that UK will be playing in the Gator Bowl against North Carolina State on January 2nd. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Liam Cohen, UK's hire to be their offensive coordinator coming uh, to uh, Lexington from the Los Angeles Rams where he was assistant quarterbacks coach. He won't be coming for the bowl game. He'll be coming after that, but we'll talk about that hire as well. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to my conversation with Mark Story of the Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my colleague and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? It's good, John. Uh, We are recording this on Sunday night. We just found out that Kentucky is playing uh, in the uh, Gator Bowl. It's no longer the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, is it? It's just the Gator Bowl, is that right? No, I think it's still the Tax Slayer. Oh, it is. Their their, their, uh, Twitter account is Tax Slayer Gator. Oh, okay. Okay, so it is a Tax Slayer. They're playing NC State. Uh, So we are going to talk football, but we're going to talk basketball first. Uh, Kentucky lost to uh, North Carolina yesterday. They're now 1-3. I mean 1-3, 1-5. Worst start since 1926-27. Mark, you wrote a three-point plan for uh, John Calipari to turn this thing around. (laughs) What were your impressions of yesterday? Well, I was disappointed. I, uh, I actually <laughs> so thought is Calipari. <laughs> right. I actually thought, like Calipari said after the game, I thought Kentucky would win that game. You know, it's funny. We come on here every week after Kentucky is lost, and we say of the opponent, I just don't think they're very good. And I don't think North Carolina is that good. Right. And I thought I thought that set up great for Kentucky. I actually thought the late switcheroo, I thought Carolina was a better matchup for Kentucky than UCLA would have been. So, yeah, I, I actually thought this would be kind of the point where UK made its stand. And uh, obviously that, it, you know, for a while it looked promising and then it, it looked real bad the last 15 minutes or so. So what happened? Why, what, uh, what happened those last 10 to 15 minutes? Well, that's a, that, that if, you know, it was interesting. I thought the guard play, at least in terms of Askew and Mintz, was 
pretty good. I thought those guys both played pretty well. You know, obviously Olivier Saar, it was interesting. Calipari said after they had the near-miss rally against Notre Dame that Kentucky was going to play through Olivier Saar and Terrence Clark. And then the very next game, you know, Olivier didn't get a field goal attempt. Right. And Clark, you know, had no assist and three turnovers and shot it poorly. Right. Um, you know, to me, the definition of a bad team is you never know from game to game what you're going to get. And that's sort of where they are right now. <laughs> so you're saying they're a bad team. Well, they have been so far. <laughs> they look like a bad team. Yeah, yeah that's, they do. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I thought they played, especially in the first half, I thought they played with more intensity than they'd played uh, except for maybe the second half of Notre Dame when they had their backs against the wall. And I thought they played fairly intense against Kansas. But, of course, you know, they lost that game. But then in the second half, when things started to get away from them, it just like one thing after another. I mean, I thought two big plays – uh, not necessarily that Carolina got a lot of points of it, but were the tap outs on the free throws and the size uh, where North Carolina missed free throws, but were able to tap the ball back out and, and retain possession. Uh, thought the size kind of bothered Kentucky and obviously foul trouble. Kentucky, a big problem. Olivier Sorry continues to get into foul trouble. I mean, that's something that's got to be fixed. Yeah, I mean, he's a very valuable player, and if he's the guy you're kind of trying to play through, he obviously needs to be on the court. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is crazy, but I actually think they ought to play smaller. I think they ought to play uh, you know, ask you Boston and Clark and just play smaller. And you know, that way you at least have kind of four perimeter players and maybe you can take the pressure, not have one guy that's just responsible for creating and, and have better spacing. And then, you know, sort of use SAR and Jackson interchangeably and, you know, I, I, yeah. if it were me, I would try that at this point. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. Open to ideas when you're uh, when, when you're starting out one and five. What did you make at the end of the game? Uh, Cameron Fletcher, and, and by his own admission, got emotional on the bench. He apologized to the team afterwards. Uh, then nobody, uh, none of the players apparently wanted to come to the post game press conference. So Keon Brooks, who is injured and has not played yet this year, did not play in the game yesterday. Uh, took the responsibility of taking the questions, as he said, defending his teammates in the post game. What did, what did you make of all that? Well, it, obviously, you know, when things are going badly, you know, there, things tend to bubble up. You know, I don't – the one thing, we, we have so little interaction with these guys because they're sort True. of in a bubble and all the interaction is just, you know, through Zoom calls, right. which you, know, you don't really get to know. So, you know, I don't know the personalities at all. And you know, I thought Fletcher, his tweet, today was very mature and very classy and i thought right. i thought I, my guess is that fan opinion will swing behind him mostly because of the way he handled it right um you know it's um, obviously it's less than ideal to you know have you, you know ancillary issues when you're struggling as much as they're struggling on the court right right uh, i think and i think though you know it kind of points out to the immaturity of the team i mean this is obviously a very young team cal perry always seems to have young teams but this one's especially young and none of cal perry's teams have started out this way so you've got a young team with the frustration building uh, there seems to be fan frustration, especially uh, in-state fans, about not playing Dante Allen. Uh, I tweeted Cal Perry's reply to the question of why Dante didn't play more. He got in at the very last minute, played one minute yesterday. 
uh, at least on the social media, the fans did not like Cal's answer, which was basically that there are guys in front of him and he's giving those guys, uh, you know, he wants he wants those guys to shoot, and he he doesn't want to yank them out when they after a missed shot. What what do you think about the Dante Allen situation? Well, it, there's not anybody in the state of Kentucky who is more pro homegrown players than me. <laughs> That being said, you know when you know Dante, you know, was getting a chance at Georgia Tech on a team that's had all kinds of turnover problems, and he turned it over three times in four minutes. Right, and you know you can sort of understand a coach losing some confidence. Right, you know, you know I'm I certainly am, am sympathetic to the yearning to have more you know players from Kentucky getting a chance to play for UK if you can find players who are good enough to do so. And, you know, in the case of Dante Allen, who was such a prolific high school scorer, you know, when you have a team that has, you know, struggled to hit outside shots and just isn't very fluid offensively, you know, it's it's certainly not crazy to think he maybe could could help. But, you know, he's he's got to play stronger with the ball and not turn it over when he does get a chance. Right, right. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they were 7 of 21 overall in the, from the field in the second half, 3 of 13 from 3. I think they're now 308 out of 328 teams that have played a Division one college basketball game this year in three-point percentage. So you think Dante, Dante Allen is known as a shooter, but, you know, I'm not there practice every day. I don't see what Calipari's seeing. There's more to the game, obviously, than shooting. There's got to be something else there. I think Calipari would certainly be giving him giving him a chance. And Cal said yesterday he's got to be ready. Maybe, he, maybe that chance is coming up the next game. I mean, who knows? And the next game is Louisville. Uh, and Louisville's got struggles of their own. Uh, they were 4-0, uh, but they hit this COVID pause. Uh, then they went to Wisconsin on Saturday and got blown out of the building. They were without their best player, guard Carlick Jones. They've still got other players who are hurt or are not back yet. I think Louisville plays Pittsburgh on Tuesday, so they've got another game before Saturday. But this is a very unusual UK U of L game shaping up on yeah, it next really, Saturday. It, <laughs> yeah, it really is. I was thinking, you know, outside the, you know, out, other than people in Kentucky or with direct ties to Kentucky, there may be less interest in this Kentucky Louisville basketball game. Right. Than you know any in a long, long time, because you know Kentucky obviously is one in five. Louisville has you know had so much disruption in their season, and you know you never really know from game to game who's going to play for them. Right. Um, you know I don't know what to make of them Saturday. I mean, obviously they were without their best player, but you know still get beat what 37 points that's uh, right they're down 44 to 18 at the half wisconsin came out and hit like three hit three straight three pointers on the first three possessions and it was all downhill for louisville after that um but obviously jones is their best not only is he their best player i mean he's he's like the point guard he runs the show even though he is a grad transfer uh, to miss him, and you know they've got other guys still out. Uh, Malik Williams is out. The Pittman kid, uh, who was uh, transferred from San Francisco, is still out. And like you say, who knows who's going to be available or not available for Louisville come Saturday? And, and you know, and David Johnson without Carlick Jones on the floor had seven turnovers. Yeah, he was terrible. Wisconsin. Yeah, he was he was bad. You know, yeah. when I think we talked on here before, you know, I watched the Western Louisville game expecting I thought WKU would win that game, and they just kicked you know Western's tail, and I left that thinking you know what Louisville's better than I thought. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just I mean it's just hard to know what to think of them. 
Right, it it is, and then Western the Western beat uh, one in Tuscaloosa, beat Alabama last night or yesterday. Um, they're all, that's their only two losses are West Virginia and Louisville, right? Western. That is correct. Yeah. And they have beaten Memphis and St. Mary's, and now one on Alabama's home floor. Yeah. And and they are a team built with a whole lot of in-state players. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, anything else about basketball? we should talk about or hit on? You know what? I actually interviewed Basil Hayden, the last Kentucky coach to start one in five. <laughs> it was two days before his 103rd birthday in 2002. And I asked Basil, you know, what went wrong in that year when you started one and one and eight and finished three and 13? And he basically said, you know what? The boys just thought they knew more about basketball than I did. <laughs> 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 I think Adolph Rupp said that quite a bit over the years. So whenever they lost, they said the boys they didn't listen to me or whatever. Yeah, they would, now that was the days when they still had the center jump, right? After each uh, basket. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was back in the day. Yeah, I think I looked it up. I don't think the center jump went out uh, uh, of college basketball completely until the 37-38 season. So 26-27. Yeah, that so when you look in the Kentucky record book and you see all those scores back there in those days of like 20 to 18 or 30 to 19 or something like that, it's because they had a jump ball after every basket. So, yeah, that was a long long <laughs> that was a long long time ago. Uh, so we'll see. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, let's talk some football. We can talk we'll talk bowl first. Now the the uh, Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, that's January the second, correct? January the second at noon on ESPN. It's the same Kentucky has a basketball game that day too, right? I had not looked that up. I think they play at Mississippi State on January second. I can look it up for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So we we can we'll have a double header there. Uh, which we had what the year that Benny Snell got uh, thrown out of right the, the Music City Bowl of the Kentucky Louisville basketball game in Rupp, and then the uh, Kentucky and Northwestern in, in the Music City Bowl, where the Pac-12 officials inexplicably ejected the <laughs> Kentucky's best player. Yeah, and we split as columnists. We split up that day. You went with the football team. I went. I stayed home with the basketball game. And I'm thinking, oh, this will, you know, I got the basketball game. This will be good. And the football game turned out to be the much better story. Yeah, <laughs> because of Benny really, getting kicked out. Yeah, yeah. You, there's you just can't. I mean, you just never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah, Kentucky plays Mississippi State in basketball in Starkville at six o'clock on the FCC network on January 2nd. So there will will be a doubleheader. Uh, is this a good matchup for Kentucky? Well, first of all, let me ask you this. What do you think about them going to a bowl game? A lot of teams have opted, before we even knew what the matchup was, I mean, a lot of teams have opted out. Now we're seeing some players start opting out. So a lot of Some of the bowls have been canceled. I just saw on Twitter before we recorded this, I guess the Birmingham Bowl is – they announced they canceled because I guess there's nobody left for them to pick or nobody wants to go to the Birmingham Bowl, one or the other. Uh, what do you think about Kentucky playing in a bowl game in this in this year of the pandemic? I think if the players want to play, I think it's still a good move. I think you benefit from, you know, the extra practice, you know, and it, there's exposure available. 
but that's if the players want to do it. I would assume they're giving up. I would assume they'll have to go back into a bubble and they're giving right. up, you know, holidays with their family and just, you know, the, I would think the experience of playing this year has been you know, even more stressful than a normal college football season. So, you know, to me, it's, it's just, you know, if the players are into it and want to do it, you know, I, I think it's, it's, fun, it's, it's probably the right move, but, you know, obviously, you know, that's, that's, something we're not really in position to uh, to determine in no. terms of the actual sentiment of the team. Yeah, and Mark said they had a vote uh, the day after the final game, and they voted the players a player's vote. I think they gave them a card to fill out, and on the card it, uh, with information about, you know, where over the break where they were going to be and that sort of thing, and on the card was, do you want to play in a bowl game? And the majority voted to play in a bowl. And Mark said if, you know, if, you, if people who didn't, who voted that they didn't want to play in a bowl, you know, he certainly understood that, and he could understood that there was be you know good reason behind that. Uh, maybe people think they need a break or whatever, uh, or as you mentioned, they just don't want to go back into the bubble. Uh, and but they did. The majority of players, you know, did vote to go to the bowl. I'm like you. If the majority of players go to vote, vote to go, and they want to go, I think there are benefits benefits in going as long as you can keep you know everybody healthy and have. My fear is that you know I don't see. Yeah, to me, there's the same possibility of things that happen during the season. You could get up right up to game time, and then all of a sudden the game gets canceled or postponed or whatever because there's an outbreak on one team or the other. Um, you know, who knows? We have a vaccine now, but I don't know that it'll be to the point that soon where, you know, college kids are getting vaccines. Um, I don't know. But anyway. Okay, what about the matchup? Is this a good matchup for Kentucky? They're playing North Carolina State, by the way. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. NC State, I mean, just looking at their numbers, they're more of a passing team than a rushing team. Um, you know, they um, they they're on a four-game winning streak. You know, their re- regular quarterback actually got hurt. He broke his fibula uh, against Duke, and uh, the quarterback that stepped in, Bailey Hockman who started his career at Florida State, is actually the nephew of Ryan Hockman, who played quarterback for Kentucky in the early 1990s. Right, right. Uh, it's also uh, Kurt Roper, uh, the who was Rich Brooks' quarterback coach in 2005, is the running backs coach at, uh, at NC State. And the other thing that's interesting, I believe Mark Stoops may have played against North Carolina State in a bowl I think Iowa lost to NC State in the Peach Bowl in 1988. Oh, is that right? Mark wow. lettered for Iowa that year. I don't oh, know wow. if he actually played in the game. but Wow. Well, I didn't know that. And then their offensive coordinator is a Youngstown guy, right? Right. is Tim Beck, who uh, someone who looked remarkably like me was speculating on as a uh, <laughs> possible UK offensive coordinator, just mostly based on right. the fact that he is from Youngstown and is a graduate of Cardinal Mooney high school as right. are Mark Stoops and Vince Marrow. Yes. And, and many others as we have found over, found out over the last few years. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good matchup. It should be, a, you know, I don't know a whole lot about NC state, but uh, you know, it seems like it would be a fairly uh, even competitive matchup just from what little I know about NC state. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned uh, Hockman and Ryan Hockman, who was a quarterback UK back in the days when I was covering UK. Uh, Ryan was always a nice guy. Uh, 
Um, and I think he's he went on to coach some, and I think he's kind of like a quarterback guru guy, or he was. He had like an academy or an, that, uh, you know, worked with quarterbacks and helped them out. I did a blog post back when uh, Bailey was at Florida State when he was in, in the running for the starting job there. And uh, uh, I think at that time, anyway, Ryan, I think Ryan, Ryan was from Ohio, right? I think he coached, he was. coached yeah. some up in Ohio, I think, too. But uh, so, yeah, there's a Kentucky connection uh there um the other big news about kentucky football this week was the hiring of an offensive coordinator liam cohen the assistant quarterbacks coach with the los angeles rams they made the announcement on tuesday the day before signing day that he will be coming on board he will not coach in the bowl game he's going to stay with the rams till the end of their season um of course to, uh, uh, the rams of course are hoping that uh you know that they're going to be in the playoffs and that they'll make a super bowl run so they won't get him until after that but w- what did you think of the hire of uh, Liam Cohen? You know, after I watched his Zoom call, I was more enthusiastic about it than I was before. Conceptually, I think it's smart. I think, you know, you're Kentucky, you've had a really good running game. You've struggled in the passing game. The Rams, the, their kind of their philosophical framework is they have a passing game that's based off being effective in the running game. You know, play action, using, you know, inside receivers, you know, I, I think it's smart of Kentucky to you know try to incorporate that. Now, you know, you're assuming that in hiring an assistant from there, you're going to get you know the good parts of there, the good parts of what they do. Um, you know, my reservation with Cohen was just you know his track record. You know, his his personal resume is fairly light for an SEC coordinator. And I looked up you know his offenses at Maine, and while he did improve, they were god awful when he got there. Mm-hmm. And they did get better. They weren't overwhelming. And most right. of the improvement was actually in the running game. And that, that was at least, at least in the numbers. Mm-hmm. But I do think in the broadest terms, it makes I think it's it, what they want to do, I think, makes sense. And, you know, I liked him on the Zoom call. I, his enthusiasm was contagious and he seemed like a bright guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm on board at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board too, and I wrote that. I, I think it's a good hire. Of course, you never know how these hires, you know, turn out. The uh, to me, the reservation is you got a 35 year old guy who's never called a play in a Division One college football game, uh, and he was an assistant quarterbacks coach with the Rams. And McVay, Sean McVay, obviously runs the show there. They have another guy, Kevin O'Connell, who's their offensive coordinator, who I think helps scheme the game plan. But McVay's the guy calling plays. But I was impressed. But uh, but I like I'm like you conceptually. I like the idea. Of, I like the idea that he's a young coach uh, who'll bring in a fresh approach and different ideas. Uh, who got some experience coaching? Wide, he was assistant wide receivers coach before he was assistant quarterbacks coach with the Rams. So he has he has some experience in both areas. Um, you know, and I think uh, I, I too was impressed with him in the Zoom call. From what I've read, he was very prepared for the interview with with Mark with Mark Stoops. Um, I, I, he seemed like a smart. As you said, enthusiastic guy. Uh, I don't see any reason why he can't recruit if he uh, comes across like he did. Uh, uh, he did in the Zoom call. We'll just have to see, you know, you know how it works out. They also hired an offensive line coach and Eric Wolford from South Carolina, who's another Youngstown guy. He went to Cardinal Mooney too, didn't he? Or am I wrong about that? I think he did. I don't. I don't think he did. Oh, okay. I think he went to a different school. Oh, okay. Okay, but he's another Youngstown guy, and he coached with Mark at uh, Arizona when they were under Mark's brother, Mike. Uh, Mike Stoops, um, 
that was no surprise. That was a very poorly kept secret that Wolford was going to be the be the offensive line coach. Um, so uh, you know, now I would assume Wolford will be working with the team for the bowl game. Is that correct? Or do well, we know? That, I don't know that we know that officially, but he is the listed offensive line coach now on the website, which okay. sort of made me think that he will. You know, it, the thing that I think is going to be interesting in the ball game is who's going to call the plays. Yeah. <laughs> it is because, uh, yeah, uh, Liam Cohen will not be there to call plays, and Mark has said all along, you know, that they'll somebody on the staff will call plays. I don't know. I, I think Mark ought to call plays. I think that would be interesting. Let Mark call the plays. Well, we were debating it on Twitter. They could have, raise a lot of money if you know. If fans make a donation and you can call a play, there you the go. More you donate, the more you donate, the more plays you get to call. I don't know about you, but I heard from fans all year long, maybe from the time Eddie Grant got here, that they could call plays better than Eddie Grant. So this might be their give them a shot. Yeah, you could. They could replenish the the diminished K fund. Uh, Caused by the pandemic with this one uh, one one uh, idea. Yeah, I tried thirty five million dollars shortfall. I think they said they're going to be able to cover it. I thought it was funny, not funny, but interesting when they when they announced that they were going to sell the cutouts at the end of the release for the cutouts. It made made sure made the point that you know in addition to the cutouts, if you'd like to donate money to the <laughs> athletic association, you know we're not stopping you. Go right ahead. So uh, anyway, so uh, what else about football? Well, I thought they recruiting was interesting. Oh, I yeah. thought they did a I thought they I thought they had they did two things well. I thought they did really well in state, which you know, since that year when right. they got shut out in 18 and he moved Vince Merrow into the state, they you know, they don't get everybody, but they have I think controlled the state. And the other thing that I um, I thought, you know, based on just what the recruiting geeks say, it sounds like they have a good wide receivers class. And we, as we've talked on here pretty much weekly during the season, boy, do they need playmaking. <laughs> Definitely, they need playmaker. I thought that was another good thing about the Cohen hire. I think obviously he should appeal to not just the quarterbacks, but playmakers. They were able to keep the guys, that, uh, with the exception of the kid we talked about before, the wide receiver from Ohio. They also picked up another, at least one receiver, right, a kind of of a late, uh, a late addition. Uh, you know the one, of, and you know more. You follow recruiting and in-state recruiting more than uh, uh, more closely than I do. But you know, after looking at and reading it, I think he. I don't know that he was under the radar, but maybe didn't get quite as much attention because he was kind of late committing. But the kid from Bowling Green getting him that that was a big commitment, and now they got his brother as well, right? Yeah, it was a big commitment, and partially because for most of the most of the recruiting cycle, it was sort of a foregone conclusion. He was going to leave the state and, you know, then, you know, to, to sort of reel in a potentially key offensive skill player, in this case, a tight end Jordan Dingle to get him, you know, in a year when your offense was struggling, you know, yeah, that, that was a, that was a big get. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And now his brother who, uh, uh, now, was his brother part of that 2018 class that got out? He was. Okay. He was one of the players. I think they really only offered three players, in-state players, in that class. You know, Justice Dingle, who was at that time a linebacker from Bowling Green. Rondale Moore, the uh, wide receiver right. at Trinity, who's gone on to be a great player at Purdue. And uh, the other one was Jerry Brents, the mm-hmm. defensive back from Louisville, who's I think is now at EKU. But all three of those players, I don't think any of them grew up in Kentucky. I mean, Rondell mm-hmm. Moore is from Indiana. Right. So, you know, the, there probably were built-in ex- reasons why they were shut out. 
but you know, to his credit, I remember Mark Stoops on signing. I said, you know, this isn't acceptable, and you know, we're not going. We we want to get the best players, and he, then he, you know, sort of put his money where his mouth was by moving Vince mm-hmm. into Kentucky, and you know, they obviously have not gotten everybody, but you know, nobody does, even Alabama. Right. I, they they have pretty well controlled the state, and right. you know, I I think that's a, you know, people who are frustrated with basketball, you know, the football for not you know valuing in-state players, the football staff seems to yeah yeah no no and like you say when they have lost big uh, some guys big name guys i mean they've gone to places like alabama thinking about damian Harris and and wills jedrick wills so it's not like you know you you lost them to uh you know a, right and a, you know they lost walker parks correct or, or i don't know if you can lose something you never had they didn't get walker <laughs> parks he chose you know clemson, clemson right he was the offensive lineman from frederick douglas a year ahead of Jager Burton, who they did get, right. as we've talked before, I think the one that you know really frustrated the fans was Wondell Robinson, right. just because you know Nebraska, Kentucky has been better than Nebraska the last three or four years. Right. I think if Wondell had gone to Alabama, people may. Right. They probably wouldn't have been happy about it, but they, I think they would have understood more. Right. And they lost the tight end out of uh, who went to Notre Dame, but I don't think they ever really had a shot at uh, the Mayer kid. Michael Mayer, yeah, right. Who's really good, by the way. He I've watched good, Notre Dame yeah. two or three times this year. He's He really made an impression. He's That guy's got NFL written all over him. Uh, Okay. Uh, well, we'll we'll wrap this up. We'll have uh, even though it's a it's Christmas week, but it is Louisville week, so we'll have plenty of coverage of that. We'll have more on the bowl game, uh, you know, with Josh Moore. We'll have plenty of coverage of the basketball uh, basketball in crisis going into the Louisville game. This very unusual uh, Louisville game. Be sure and check out all of Mark's uh, stuff. I mentioned he wrote a three point plan to get this basketball thing turned around. Be sure and check that out as well. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. And as always, Mark, thanks for being on the podcast thanks john okay that'll do it for this edition of the john clay podcast I want to thank my guest uh, and fellow Herald leader columnist mark story be sure and follow mark on twitter at mark c story check out all of his work at kentucky.com and in the print edition of the lexington herald leader you can follow me on twitter at john clay iv uh send me some feedback uh, send me any, drop me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. I uh, wanted to thank everybody who listens to the podcast. You can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts. Thanks to everyone who has left a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps get the word out about the podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone in this Christmas season. I want to thank everyone who has supported our work this year at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Remember, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com. You get all of our sports coverage on Kentucky.com. That's basketball with Jerry Tipton, football with Josh Moore, UK recruiting with Ben Roberts, high school coverage with Jared Peck, and you get uh, columns by both Mark Story and myself. Thanks again to everybody who has supported our work. It's $30 for the first year for that sports-only subscription. Go to the Kentucky.com site, hit on that subscription button, and check out all of our offers. We we really appreciate everybody who supports our work. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. If you don't hear from us before Christmas, we will have a podcast previewing the Kentucky-Louisville game, which is coming up on Saturday in Louisville, the basketball game, so be sure and look for that as well. Again, everyone, have if you don't hear from me before then, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and thanks again for listening to the John Clay Podcast podcast.